Good morning and welcome to Cox Media, Houston's public affairs show, FYI. My name is Susie Hanks. All people should have the right to walk down the street in their cities without harassment, without fear, freely. But for women, walking while female can be challenging, if not perilous. And so with us today, we have uh, a couple of guests, Caitlin McNeely with the uh, local think tank Houston Tomorrow and Sukada Todki who is a freelance writer, and uh, both of them are part of something that happened here recently in Houston. It was an exploratory walk about making Houston women-friendly. So I want to thank you both for being here this morning. Thank you for coming in. Thank, thank you. you. Um, so, this is so, uh, this is so important and so uh, interesting, but first of all, let's find out a little bit about what Houston Tomorrow is about, Caitlin. So Houston Tomorrow is an independent uh, nonprofit Think and Do Tank. We've been around for about 18 years, and we're really focused on improving the quality of life for all the people in the Houston region. That's not just the city of Houston. It's the 13-county Houston region. Um, And so we focus a lot on how can we improve the urban environment and the natural environment, um, make people's lives more accessible, um, more equitable, uh, and more sustainable. Um, And... Yep. And that's it. And so um, Houston Tomorrow, if because we're going to be doing this program, and I want to let people know how to get um, information from you and find out what you're more about. Do you have a website, somewhere that you can send people to? Yeah. So if you go to www.houstontomorrow.org, um, we also have a Facebook page, Houston Tomorrow, and we're on Twitter at Houston Tomorrow. Um, follow us any of those places. Yeah, and I can't tell you how I landed on your website. I don't know. You know, I was just surfing around looking for ideas, and I saw something that really um, uh, uh, spoke to me. Although you, uh, Houston Tomorrow, does many different things and has many different uh, focuses, but one of them was this interesting uh, women ability and exploratory walk that happened in when was it? What? Um, it was the end of May. End of May. Mm-hmm. It's Women Ability. So um, how did Women Ability, because Women Ability is a separate organization, and they hooked up with you, and they came here to Houston and did this walk. So tell me about Women Ability. So Women Ability is a French collective, um, and they are they come um, out of a background of, of urban design and urban planning, and they're really looking at um, how are our urban environments Inequal in a sense for men and women. Men and women have very different experiences in the city, and a lot of times women don't always feel um, safe or as welcome to uh, to be in public space as men do. Um, and so they're on a mission, traveling all around the world, uh, leading these exploratory walks in 25 different cities uh, with local residents, um, professionals, people. Uh, to get a sense of what makes you feel comfortable as a woman in public space, what makes you feel uncomfortable, and what can be done uh, across the globe to make urban environments more gender equitable and more comfortable for women. Yeah. So, Caitlin, you and uh, Sukada got in, together on this project. Um, how did you get involved, Sukada? Because you are not part of Houston tomorrow. Right. So, um I moved to Houston about a year ago, more than a little more than a year ago, and I started looking at the city very differently because I didn't have a car. It began from there. For a year or so, I didn't have a car, and I was moving around the city in public transport, walking, and that's when I noticed a lot of challenges that I'd never seen anywhere else that I had lived before. 
So I wrote uh, for Texas Monthly. My first piece was about being carless in Houston. The second was about this, about walking in the city as a woman. What kind of challenges women face, uh, and how we engage with the city as opposed to how men look at the city. And when Caitlin wrote to me saying um, women ability was coming here for this walk, and she spoke about this walk, and she got in touch with me asking me to collaborate with them because my article resonated with. Things that women ability was doing. Yeah, it's just kind of a natural partnership, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Houston was the second American city that they did this in. Um, why did they choose Houston, or did you reach out to them? How did that happen? Um, they they reached out to us and they chose Houston because uh, they were going around and wanting to engage in cities, uh, large cities over hundred thousand population, and cities that were led by a woman. And so at the time when they chose Houston. Uh, mayor Anise Parker was our mayor, and so that's how they selected Houston. And so they, um, you talked to them, and they came, and uh, and you guys helped set it up. Tell me about the people that were involved in this. So as soon as Women Ability reached out to me um, saying, hey, we want to do this walk, we think you guys are going to be a great partner, uh, I had just read Sukata's article maybe just two or three weeks before, and it immediately was the same exact kind of information. And so I immediately reached out to Sukata, um, and we got together to, to start to work on it. And then I just start, we started to reach out. Um, she reached out to Texas Monthly. They were really excited to, to keep covering the story. Um, and I started to reach out to... Uh, everybody that we partner with and anybody that might have an interest in being involved. And so that goes everyone from, um, you know, the city of Houston planning department uh, and and Metro Houston and the health department um, to people at the Houston Galveston Area Council who, who are involved with planning everything down to um, the neighborhoods where we were planning the walk and trying to get residents and business owners involved. Um, did you? Yeah. Um, the one good thing that happened was the day before the walk, Jeanette Sadik Khan, who's credited with the pedestrian plazas in New York, she was in Houston. So, and the Kinder Institute was sort of hosting this talk. So we had that as a great stage uh, set up for the walk. So after the talk, you know, the Kinder Institute director made an announcement that there's going to be a walk addressing the very same issues tomorrow. So go and participate wow mm-hmm. unfortunately it's, it rained that it rained <laughs> so we had to postpone the walk by a day yeah but yeah that was fine yeah, yeah it was uh it was pretty amazing um it, it was amazing uh, to have janet sadat khan here who's the former um new york department of transportation head uh and she did amazing things in new york city um transforming shutting down a lot of their streets and turning them into pedestrian plazas and like really just and adding bike lanes and really transforming the city um to be much more people friendly and so that just sort of simultaneously happened and we were able to reach out to them and we got the women ability folks got to do an interview with her um and it was really kind of an amazing synchronicity and so you had men and women who participated in this um, tell me about the uh, how many people did you have finally when when um, you did do the walk? I think we were a total of thirteen. Thirteen okay. with about three men. Mm-hmm. And where did it go? Tell me about the areas. Um, uh, just kind of ha- uh, basically where it covered. So we started in um, downtown outside Weights and Measures, and from downtown we moved towards Midtown. Then uh, we went 
So our when while planning the route, we decided that we wanted to show the challenges as well as the good things. We didn't want to just focus on the bad things in Houston. So we started in downtown, and while walking, it, it, the landscape sort of changed drastically because mm-hmm. from downtown where you see nobody, we went into Midtown, um, mm-hmm. and that's where you saw so many people, and like it's a pedestrian-friendly place, mm-hmm. and. Um, so that's what we did in Midtown. After that, we went yeah. under the flyover. Um, yeah. So yeah. So Midtown's kind of a weird, weird area because it's both one of the most walkable areas in Houston, and it's like still has a lot of challenges, mm-hmm. uh, and still has these massive, wide, flying one-way streets and and not and broken sidewalks. And so, yeah. um, so we were kind of passing through, uh, like good and bad throughout that. Um, then once we passed up through the post midtown which is this really fabulous little chunk of of midtown that has all these outdoor cafes and really wide sidewalks with trees and 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 all of these people sort of circulating on the streets and parks uh then we went up through the um fourth ward old fourth ward neighborhood which is a really interesting neighborhood it's both uh where um, Freedmanstown, the it's really very historical part of Houston, and there's still the bricks laid in the streets, um, and it's a neighborhood very much in transition. And then we we went straight through there, um, around the corner, to a big freeway underpass and I-45, which is just kind of totally desolate and scary <laughs> as a pedestrian. And then you know straight back through there into back into downtown, um, where we walked along a stretch that I think no joke had like. 12 parking garages all in a row you just looking down the road and it's just parking garage after garage after garage after garage on both sides of the street and it's very alien um and uh, and then we hopped back on public transportation we got on the light rail line and we ended at um at double trouble where we all kind of got together uh had a beer and were able to really discuss everything that we experienced on the walk. And that was when a lot of the really good juicy stuff came out yeah. of the experience. Yeah. But how, how far was it total? It was about three miles. How long? Two about hours. Two hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But That's... again, we were stopping several times during the walk. It wasn't a continuous walk because at every stage, I think there were four halts where we stopped and reflected on what we had just seen and what we were going to see. Mm-hmm. And each one was given a questionnaire of sorts. Uh, so at each halt, we were supposed to think of, say, the senses that were alive while walking and what what each uh, location spoke to us about. Uh, so it wasn't a continuous walk in that sense. At every point, we stopped, discussed, um, even thought of what could be done to improve what was not right mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and we also, you know, we, we had, we took this walk... Um, you know, we had this two and a half to three mile route where we experienced different environments, but it really it was also uh, the route was used as a tool to also just inspire people to think about their experience in the city as a whole, because we all, all live in different parts of the city, different neighborhoods uh, in the city face different challenges. Um, and and so people, you know, and some people live and work and play in the area where we were. Some people don't. And so uh we were asking people along the way to think not just about the route where we were walking, but to have it stimulate their imaginations and their senses about how they feel and experience a lot of different parts of the city. Uh, We are talking with Caitlin McNeely, who is with Houston Tomorrow. And 
uh, Sadaka, uh, I'm sorry, Sakata uh, Tadaki. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> this, I'm, I'm having a hard time with the name, but you're a, a writer and about this women ability walk, this exploratory walk through Houston, part of a larger organization who's doing walks in lots of urban cities all over the world and how interesting this was. So, so while you were doing this, tell me about some of the issues that you were thinking about um on on the walk my my first my first thought would be as a woman walking through these areas would be security tell me about some of the issues um so the biggest challenge that we uh, thought of was the the problem is why is it so hard for women it's because there aren't enough eyes on the street there aren't enough people walking on the street because houston is such a car dependent city uh, you don't see anybody. And when you don't see anybody on the street, you feel isolated. You feel like you are singled out and exposed. If something were to happen to you as a woman, it's likely that you won't be noticed because everyone's in this mad rush. That was one very important thing that we found. In fact, even on our walk, there were large stretches and like several minutes when we, ours was the only group seen walking on the street. There was nobody else. Mm-hmm. That is one big challenge. Uh, secondly, what makes it really hard is the lack of um, street furniture, be it uh, benches, be it shops, be they retail, whatever, you know. Yeah, the street lighting. And- street lighting, mm-hmm. the things that encumber a woman's right to walk around. Um, because of these challenges, the the thing that keeps coming up is you feel exposed as a woman in the streets mm-hmm. of Houston. Yeah, and I think, um, so there's that that feeling of security um be it real or be it perceived um and then of of harassment and there's also uh security that all people face in houston that has to do with just the general safety of our streets and uh with some very poor sidewalk infrastructure in a lot of places um and very fast streets with with a lot of cars flying by um it can be it can feel pretty dangerous to walk around um, as a pedestrian, no matter who you are. Um, but a lot of times, women can be more sensitive to those uh, to those feelings. Uh, not just walking, but also doing doing stuff like biking. Where in the U.S. we have a significantly lower um, rate of female bikers than or bicyclists than they do say in in certain European cities, um, where there is no real difference discrimination between. Um, the number of men and women who bike, it's its all pretty equal. Um, a lot of that also has to do with um, women and their families and their kids. Um, still, it's, you know, there are pl- a lot of a lot of single dads and there are a lot of dads out there. But I think still the number of women who are who are taking care of small children um, and and elderly people uh, is quite high. And so getting around the urban environment with little kids um, on dangerous streets with nowhere to to sit down and rest, very few like little parks, micro parks, um, and things like that, it just can make it a really difficult environment uh, for for women to move around. You know, I I, I immediately think of a woman with a stroller. Yeah, and because of the issues, like you say, with the sidewalks and things, not only are you now, you know, you're a woman doing this, but now you are also trying to maneuver a stroller with a baby in it. And that it makes you feel even more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an issue that a lot of cities don't take into consideration, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, however, there was um, this example of Vienna, which sort of did 
uh, gender mainstreaming in their city. So in the late 90s or so, they decided to um, make the city more friendly towards women. So they s- spoke to women and they, what they found was women are those who make um, several trips during the day because they are balancing their work and their home more than men. So they have to go to work. They have to go to doctors with their kid, uh, to the doctor with their kids. They have to drop their kids to school. So they engage more with the city than men who sit in their car, go to work, and come back in the evening. So what they thought was that you need to really reimagine the way the city is. So this whole thing, they, they did a whole lot of things like um, improving lighting, widening their street uh, uh, sidewalks. Um, they even made this big ramp in the middle of uh, in the middle of the stair. Um, there was a huge staircase, and they made a ramp where women could go with strollers, and it it was part of this whole gender mainstreaming concept. And Vienna has sort of set the example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for um, that. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's worth noting that um, you know right now we're projected to have something like two-thirds or three-quarters of the world's population living in cities in the next couple of generations or the next, you know, even 20 years. Um, and and so how we can make the, the urban environments um, as inviting, as accessible, as safe as possible for all people, um, for young people, old people, women, people with disabilities and women and their families, um, people with strollers, uh, so that so that there isn't this sense of of hostility and danger um, and and this kind of fast paced uh, s- lifestyle, uh, I, so that more families feel invited and comfortable to move back to move into the city and to make a life in the city, um, and that their kids can play in the streets. You know, I think that that's really important. Um, and so, doing some kind of taking into consideration stuff like like how different gender how gender mainstreaming and things like that use these these urban environments um, can go a long way to to getting a whole lot of people to feel comfortable to to come and live in the city which is what which is what the woman ability thing is about because they're to, they're going out and, and and going into many different cities and mm-hmm. coming up with some best practices and some good um, recommendations and things for cities to be doing in the planning in the future right. one of the things you mentioned earlier was uh uh, aging, you know, you have an elderly person who has a a walker or a cane or a a, a wheelchair or a um, a scooter, and how do they get around? Mm-hmm. Um, that's another aspect. Even as, and I guess walking through, looking at it, and, and as a woman, you're looking at or you're trying to look at it at uh, with many different views, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. leads me to something I wanted to ask you about the men. Tell me about about the men on this walk, and what are some of the what's some of the feedback that that you that you got from them? Were they able to? Were they kind of shocked by the the different views that they would have coming from you as coming from them? Um, I think that I think that they they were they were surprised to some extent, um, and kind of very interested to hear to hear about the woman's perspective and realize that it wasn't something that, that they thought about a lot or that they'd had to think about a lot. Um, and this makes me think of, you know, whenever you see, you, you see the videos of these pregnancy machines that they put on a man and then it gives them the pain of what, preg- of what giving birth oh is like. And they would never even imagine that, but, and then they can't even stand oh, it at all. Wow. 
And that it, yeah. it kind of makes me think, well, here you go. You're, now you're walking in our shoes and you're seeing right. the difference there. Yeah. And isn't that fascinating? Yeah, yeah. And, Especially and it, when you think that men are the men, for the most part, for the majority, are the people who are planning our cities and the people who are right. who are who are making those decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's absolutely something that we covered and came to in out of our walk. Uh, I was talking about you know. Who's really making these decisions about the urban environment uh, and how is that reflected in the designs that we get, um, the environment that we, we end up with? And so there's a, there's a pretty stark um, discrepancy in our local governance and our policy decision-making bodies in the in Houston area and in Texas uh, between genders. And so, um, for example, in the... In the Houston-Galveston region, uh, we have a transportation policy council. They allocate about $2.5 billion of transportation spending every two years. Uh, that transportation, uh, s- those transportation investments ha- touch every part of our lives. They have a huge impact on the, on the shape uh, of our city and the experience that we all have move- moving around. And uh, of the 56 members... Currently, I believe eight of them are women, which is about 14%. And of the voting members, that's about 7% are women, whereas, you know, our population is is pretty evenly split 50-50. And so while, while, you know, no matter how good your intentions are, if you have a body that doesn't represent or reflect the, all of the demographics of the population, uh, everyone's needs uh, and those needs that you you don't necessarily understand fully um, can't be fully represented. And so getting more women engaged in in local governance, in policymaking bodies is a, a huge part of really shifting uh, the way we look at the urban environment and how we how we create it. Yeah. And, and to add to that, um, of the five members of the Texas Transportation Commission, who are appointed by the Texas governor with the consent of the Senate, there's not a single woman. Mm. In fact, since its establishment in 1917, only three women have served on the commission. And, uh, and, mm-hmm. and so the women's point of view, uh, obviously, in, doesn't get reflected in, in doing this walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's, that's basically exactly uh, what, what, you're, what, what you're seeing, that it's not, it's not uh, taken into consideration whatsoever. Yeah. And which was and not surprising. It was reflected during our walk because, you know, the men weren't really aware. It's not that they don't want to listen. Since it's not part of their reality, they aren't aware of the challenges that we face as women, pedestrians or... Commuters, mm-hmm. um, yeah. tell me about the um, the the good parts of the walk because <laughs> that's all there. There were some wonderful places, weren't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I mentioned, there's there's an area over uh, West Gray and Bagby area um, where there's this really interesting development, a beautiful development. Um, it's called the Post Midtown area, and it is this. Um, mixed development where you've got uh, these really wide, beautiful pedestrian areas um, with with lots of street trees and and cafes and small local businesses. uh, And there are uh, apartments on top, uh, small mid-rise apartment. um, And there's a park there. There's a dog park. 
there are bars and restaurants, coffee shops, cafes. Uh, and so, so it, when you go through that area, there's just this sort of bursting of, of vibrancy of people, people. Um, playing in the park and playing with their dogs and eating at the outside cafe and laughing and talking and all these different people walking on the streets. Um, and so it's just a really human environment. You go from walking these kind of desolate, broken sidewalks with cars speeding past you and and kind of chain link fences uh, to to this really human area. Narrow <laughs> streets, what, yeah, sidewalks. Yeah, yeah, narrow streets where the cars are are Slow. there, but they're moving pretty slowly. They're aware of you. You're aware of them. Um, speed is the most important factor in terms of of creating safe streets uh, for people. So. So, yeah, and, and, and having nature really infused with, into that area. Uh, so that was, that was the most uh, inviting, really welcoming area that yeah. we passed through on the walk. I think a lot of people, though, would, would hear that and say, okay, that's wonderful, but I need to get to downtown in, uh, in less than an hour from Midtown. <laughs> and how do I do that when all these wonderful streets are full of all these people walking and, and, yeah. and, and all these walkways? And also yeah. those areas, too, are, um, are also more expensive to live, to live around. That, these are some issues you have to try to figure out how to have these accessible these these wonderful places but still have them be affordable and still be able to move around the city. Right. Yeah. So 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 you bring up a lot of good points and you know we are we are going through a a paradigm shift right now in in Houston area because the way that we've done things for the last 50 or 60 years um isn't really a model that can keep going the way it has been. You know, we've we've We actually started as a transit-oriented city back when Houston was founded. We had a streetcar system, and most of the development was along that system. And so people were able to use public transit and walk around and get where they needed to go. Um, and we've obviously grown a ton since then. Uh, and and part of that growth story is that we really embraced the car, and we embraced open land, and everyone started moving out and out, and we became very car-dependent, and it became a very difficult place for people to to access transit easily and access places um, from those transit lines, um, we've, we're now, we've now gotten to a point where, you know, we're, we're continuing to grow. We're going to continue to grow, but we only have so much space. And we can only fit so many cars um, in that space. And so really rethinking the way that we've, that we've, designed our systems um, and our access is is critical and if we're going to fit more people um, into this area you know I think that the the best strategy for everyone who who still wants to stay in their car uh, the best strategy for moving for keeping any cars moving is also being able to fit more people onto public transportation, um, we're, we're going to have to do that. And yeah. the only way to do that is to also make the places around public transportation super supportive for, for taking transportation. And that means making, making things more close-knit, making them walkable, making them inviting, so that um, and mixing the places where people live with the places where people work and play so that, you know, it, it, the model of traveling 30 miles 
both ways every day is just not really yeah. um, realistic. Yeah. And so let me ask you this. Um, and, and thinking about a, a group of 13 people walking down the street, this this may not have happened. But were, was there any kind of harassment or anything that happened to anybody on the walk? Anything like that? No, not really, because mm. I guess it was a big group. Again, yeah. that's why that's what we want to do. You know, if there are more people on the street, the harassment is likely to go down because, you know, there is accountability. Yeah. Have you seen there's videos where they follow a woman through a city and they and, and, and then they have her dad or her boyfriend sit there and watch and listen to all the things that were said mm. to her. And that and, and, and they're shocked, you know, when when because they don't hear that when they're walking with her because they're walking with her. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of an interesting yeah. thing. So yeah. um, I wanted to thank you both very much for coming in. We are running out of ta- time, but I know that you have a um, conference coming up in the fall for Houston tomorrow. Quickly tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, it's a conference called Intersections 2016. Uh, it is a cross-disciplinary conference of quality of life, health, equity, um, development, and environmental issues facing our growing region. And so it's the goal really is to foster synergistic thinking and collaboration because you know, as we've talked about here, uh, the challenges that we're facing in our region right now can't really be solved um, by thinking about one thing and one thing only. We have to think holistically. Yeah. Um, and, and so when is it? So it is November 10th to the 12th. Uh, it's at the University of Houston downtown. And if you go to www.intersections2016.org, you can find more information and sign up. It's a great place if you're interested in this conversation and getting engaged. It's a great place to to get engaged and get involved. And where? what is the website for Houston Tomorrow? HoustonTomorrow.org. So if anybody's interested in getting involved or checking out um, other aspects, other issues that you guys uh, look at, then they can go there. I want to thank you both very much for coming in. It's uh, uh, really wonderful to talk to you. We've been having uh, Caitlin McNeely with Houston Tomorrow and Sukata Tatki, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Say it once right. p- correctly, the way that you say it, so that everybody knows. Sukhada Tatki. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> My name is Susie Hanks, and you've been listening to FYI.